Welcome to Ambient Discourses, conversations with musicians and composers who create musical experiences and sonic landscapes. My guest in the program is J.D. Ryan, who releases music under the moniker Thorny. J.D. is a relatively new addition to the ambient music scene, with two releases out on Bandcamp, and his own unique approach to creating spacious ambient landscapes with his music. Our conversation veered through the process of finding your voice, the dichotomy of ambient music, finding success, and so much more. Please welcome J.D. Ryan of the Ambient Project, Thorny. Um, oh, you've got a dog, too. So this will yeah, be great. And, and I'm sitting here thinking, all right, I'm just hoping the dog does not do what it's doing right now. Because usually when it happens, I'm like, I know. Same. Oh, yeah. So same here. I'll be in the middle of recording a voiceover for the episode. And the dog will just the worst. The dog will just go at it. And like, maybe this should just be part of your brand or something. It should be. You know, just, it should be just random dog noises wherever. Pro- process them through some like black hole reverb. <laughs> I mean, I, I hear it. Ooh, you know exactly. So I mean, you got to work with what you got, right? I, I see now. I, now I feel like I have to do this. <laughs> there you go. We'll do. We'll do yeah. a field recording of my dog, and then yeah. we'll. And then we'll process it through a million reverbs, delays, and all sorts of other. Oh. Yeah. Fun Tricks stuff of the like trade. Yeah. Tricks of the trade. Cool. I, I have notes. I have notes, and I because I took some notes listening to your excellent one with Damien oh, the Dam- other day. That was and I'm like, so good. Oh man! And I was like, I was like, damn, he's asking all the questions of Damien that I wish he was asking. I hope he asked me those questions. Yeah, those are good and, questions. And it's all. Most of the questions end up becoming very personal to each individual. Like, um, I've just had these remarkable conversations with people i've never met before and i just feel instantly connected if well you have that you know the music's like kind of the you know the the fiber or whatever i mean yeah yeah i'm not into the hokey woo -woo stuff but i i you know you know what i mean oh totally like uh, actually we um i was talking with uh robert rich i met met him and interviewed him last week and we actually talked about that fat the the idea of our connectivity and music and everything else as being this fabric that joins us all together mm. and how everything's interwoven together and I tell you that guy has some serious wisdom. Oh my! Oh, he's he, I mean, he's one of my biggest influences. I'm not gonna lie. And what I like about Robert Rich is he seems to he seems to get into do the. You know, because I mean, I, don't, I mean, I, don't, I, I do. I remember I, I, I was trying. You know, was listening to the interview. I'm like, I'm like, what can I glean about him? You know, where is he coming from? And you had made, I think, uh, you had made some comment about when the the experience, uh, you know, how the experience of music, you know, makes your mind feel. And you had explicitly said something like, "Well, I don't think the, uh, you know, the, the, the frequency you're giving this little vibration thing," and it, it sounds almost like you look at it more like a. That there could be a scientific process going on in there or something. I, I could be wrong in, in, I'm, in thinking this. I'm actually pretty open-minded. I, I'm not. I'm not as. I don't buy into this. Like, 432 is going to produce this oh, response in yeah, your brain. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Even to Robert Rich kind of brought up the the point of like you know, he doesn't like the idea of um, subscribing one particular genre as healing music. Because he's like, you know, 
I know some dudes that like death metal, and that that could very well be healing for them. So it's different things for, as they say, different strokes for different folks. Well, where I was going, where I was going with that is what I what I like about Robert Rich actually, because I mean I got to say the whole new age thing is it. I don't want to be associated with that in some way. I'm just I'm not. It's not me. You know what I mean? Right, right. And. It's even funny because when Steve Roach got nominated for that Grammy a few years ago, it was like best new age. And I'm like, if you listen to what was what was the album? I don't know if it was Molecules of Motion or whatever the one that got the Gra- the Grammy nomination. It's like that's not new age. Yeah. He's like putting sequencers in it and stuff. That's not. Yeah. And what I like about Robert Rich is he he kind of almost has this almost scientific view of it. Like if you listen to some of yeah. like the more recent works, like he's done like Filaments and uh, Tactile Ground and things like that. I mean, I think filaments is like named after all these little pros- little physical biological processes, you know, and that that really mm-hmm. that that clicks with me, you know what I'm, yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. But uh, yeah, Robert Roberts, I've never met him, but um, uh, he's he's just he's he's, he's a uh, gem of a human being. And his newest album, by the way, it's which is uh, which Traveler's I? Cloth. I haven't uh, heard that one just yet. released. It just, okay, it's very right. very good. It's this. It's it's a it's an audio journey is what it is, and he actually uses um, the ancient Chinese history of the poet philosopher Tu Fu and his experience of um, of being in exile during the the, ter- the all the turmoil through and being shoved out of his own homeland because of the civil war and all of the violence wow. that was going on and. So he's telling this musical story of, you know, going from one place to another and being an outsider looking on the end and just remarkable. See, you know, I mean, one of the things that's always tossed around, I mean, that's deep. Robert Rich to me is deep. That, that yes. I mean, yes. the things he finds inspiration for, whether it's like the physical processes at the molecular level or some ancient Chinese, you know, exile thing. It's just like, why can't I think of things like that? My dog barked at me. Can I write an ambient epic about that? I don't know. (laughs) You know, are there, are there albums about cross country skiing? Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. It's called afterlight by Steve Roach because I listen to it all the time, but uh, the uh, yeah, but yeah, Robert Rich is something else. Robert Rich, I, I would say, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's almost cliche, but I mean, I'd, I'd probably say my biggest influence is probably been a little bit, you know, obviously, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. It, uh, but, it, but it wasn't music for airports. It was actually music for films. Okay. Yeah. You've heard, have you heard that yes, one? Yeah. Okay. And I was just, I heard, I'm like, this is great. I mean, it sounds like, you know, it's basically music for imaginary films. And I've always kind of, I think what's one of the things that's drawn me to this kind of music is, is the cinematic yeah. aspect of it i love playing a piece of music or listening to something and just conjuring a scene in my head mm-hmm. you know it's oh, you know like the imaginary film um and i've always found that really attractive do you want do you want to hear my uh my uh how did i discover ambient story yes of course okay, because that's one of my right. questions <laughs> okay all right it's it's kind of like a, uh it's kind of like a half-assed stoner version of brian eno's ambient story okay okay now are you familiar with how brian eno now I'm going to say discovered, but you figured, are you familiar with the story of Brian Eno and how he got the click with the Amia thing? No, no, I'm not. Really? Uh, and and okay. actually, for the sake of the listener, this is actually a good opportunity for you to kind okay. of give some background to, for them. All right, I'll try to get it, I'll try to get it right. Um, you know, I think Eno was getting a little tired of the rock star glam thing, and mm-hmm. he did it well. I mean, you've heard, I'm sure you're familiar with Eno's rock stuff. Uh, 
And I guess he got hit by a taxi. I'm guessing this is mid 70s or something like that. And so he's lying in bed, all, you know, doped up on painkillers. And I don't know who was taking care of him, but apparently the only music in the room was on a crappy old stereo that had one speaker working, and it was a classical harp concerto. And meanwhile, there's a rainstorm going on outside. So as he's sitting there in this, you know, semi-lucid state, he's hearing, you know, it's like, you remember, you remember, how, remember how the old Beatles albums were mixed in hard stereo? Like you hear all yes. the vocals in one side. Yes, it's really yes. weird, you know? So he's like, you would just hear the harp. You wouldn't hear any of the other things. So he's taken that in his drug-induced state, hearing the harp and hearing the rain. And he, he just had this, why don't people make music like this? Music hmm. that can just be part music you can't ignore, and it's okay. Yeah. Or music that's just part of the environment. So anyway, I don't know where I'm. I, I, I'm, I'm going to try to tie that into my story here. So in my early twenties, I'm working in um, working in an office in an auto body parts warehouse. Okay, job sucked. But yeah, anyway, yeah. what really sucked. What really sucked was on Fridays. They when the truck came in, I had to go out and help all the guys out in the warehouse. Which really, I mean, it was hot. It's and so. Those mornings, I would prepare myself before going to work and, you know, do a big bong head or two you know, before I go to work. <laughs> I, 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 didn't, I didn't do it in the office, you know, because right. I had to work with numbers and stuff. Okay. I, I told you, this is like the opposite of the Eno story. It's like Eno Bizarro story. So I'm out there. I'm like, okay, the truck's unloaded. I'm like, eh, putting away some fenders. I actually remember they were fenders from like a 1978 Chevy pickup truck or something. <laughs> and, and, you know these well it's profound i gotta remember these things yes and, and so you know where big warehouses are the huge shelves and the alleys and stuff and it's a weird place for sound so i'm out there in my little haze and i'm pushing the fenders around feeling like the guy at the end of the raiders the lost ark store in the ark in <laughs> yes, the right. warehouse there and and i'm starting to hear this i'm just starting to hear this i don't know the sound i'm like what what is this and i'm just walking the thing down a little further it was at the far end of an alley, and I guess somebody had a little boombox. There's a great station in Connecticut. I think it was a college station called WPKN. Anyway, somebody had the brilliance to put on Hearts of Space. Oh, yeah. And I have no idea who it would have been because all the guys that worked at the warehouse were like country music, uh, ACDC kind of guys. So I have no idea how this happened. And I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to this. I'm like, what is this? And I'm like, there's music like who? who? I mean, just the concept that this, somebody did this, this, this mm -hmm. music that just, and I must, I mean, I must have sat there for 15 minutes just listening to this stuff and I could not shake it. I could not shake it. And it didn't, at that point, it wasn't like super, oh God, I'm going to go be an ambient musician. At that point, I was just yeah. a 20 year old kid. It was just, you know, figuring out how to play bass and, you know, I was trying to play jazz and fusion and all these things I was totally not qualified to play, but it was always in the back of my mind. So as, as things went on later in life, I, I think that that aesthetic just stayed with me. And as I started getting tired of doing the, you know, I play a lot of jazz, I play a lot of funk. I've, I've had a pretty good run. I've played jazz festivals, but you know, I'm, it gets old playing somebody else, you know, being the backup guy, you know? Right, right. And, and so when I tinker around with my DAW and stuff at home, I would just try these little musical experiments. And so I guess what happened eventually is once the, the pedal board craze started, you know, back, I don't know, five, six years ago when people were putting together big boards. I'm like, you know, I can't play synthesizers or anything, but maybe I can make some of this music with my my my, my, my bass and, you know, mm -hmm. my guitar. And I was a crappy guitar player. 
and I'm playing around. I put a couple pedals together and then realizing, oh my God, when you do this with the delay and fade in this and, and that, then I got a looper. And then I was like, eventually I was going back and forth between guitar and bass. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Let me just get a six string bass. Right. So I got a, I got, a, I got a six string bass. And next thing you know, I got this pedal board that's, you know, my big nightmare is if I die, my wife sells it for what she <laughs> thinks I paid for it. All right. I mean, that's, 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 that's the fear of my synthesizers, yes. my basses, because I have, I have some good basses and stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, you know. So I just, I kind of went with that and the pedal board thing, and I got into it more and more. I had one friend that was sort of receptive to it, so I'd go over his house and jam, and next thing you know, I've always had the soft sense, so I'm playing a few of those. I'm like, oh, maybe I can do this. I don't need to be a classically trained pianist to do these kinds of things. So then all of a sudden, the next thing I know, there's a, I think I got a mini log or something. Didn't like it. Next thing you know, I got an access virus. Then there's a Moog Sub 37 up there. So now upstairs, I got a Korg Wave State. I got a Moog mm. Sub 37. I got a Waldorf Iridium. I got a Hydrosynth. And so I've just been, my wife goes to bed around 10 o'clock, and I just lock myself in the studio for four hours almost every night and just see what comes out. Mm. And uh, that's that's why, uh, you know, like I said, it's not as uh, profound as Eno's experience of the Eureka moment, but that... <laughs> You know, I just think it's a funny story in some ways. I mean, because, you know, you usually hear these people, how did you get into this music? Well, I was I was on some retreat eating, ayahuasca, you know, I had some ayahuasca ritual. <laughs> down and, you know, and, I, and I'm like, no, nah, I was high. I was working in a warehouse. <laughs> so that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Let's check out a track from Thorny's brand new album, See No Sky. This is called For The Now, here on Ambient Discourses.
I love the random encounters that you just have with stuff in the universe, and it just has this yeah. indelible effect on you. And oh, absolutely, yeah. And it's it, I think it's even funny just telling the story because you know around this music, especially there's you know every music has some sort of I don't want to say a, there's a persona, there's a vibe that goes with it. And sure. when I listen to a lot of ambient musicians, oh, they sound so serious and da da da. I'm like my I don't know, my story is not that serious, you know, but it is what it is. But I, I'm happy where I, you know, I'm happy to be doing what I'm doing. It's, it's, uh, it, it was a big difference doing the second album versus the first album. Mm. Um, the self doubt, uh, yeah. Robert Rich's words of a particular thing he said completely, uh, sticking in the back of my head. Uh, Robert, I was listening to an interview with Robert Rich probably, I don't know, six or seven years ago. And they were asking about the democratization of music because everybody has access to so many tools right now. And and it was like, well, no, it's great. But it also sucks because now you can have somebody with no experience with this music. They haven't studied any of this music. They're not familiar, but they can get some fancy soft synth, hold down a key for a half hour, and then they've made an ambient track. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought about that. I'm like, wow, this there's there's a lot of generic stuff out there there really is and that really held me back for the longest time you know it's just I, I don't want to be that person that just you know oh another drone you know with nothing really interesting and right. it took me a long time to get to this point of like is this is this good enough mm. is this good enough and then you start getting to things like by whose by whose standard you know mm-hmm. my standard you know and so the first album was really tough i was going through about probably four or five years worth of stuff that I'd done and just really trying to find the best stuff. And um, it was a torturous process. And right before I started making that album, I, I had some kind of hearing loss issue mm. in, the left, in my left ear. Like I can't hear high frequencies in this. So not only did I have to contend with the insecurities, the doubt, but like yeah. realizing that like, wow, I'm playing this full spectrum music and I can't hear half mm. the spectrum. So I kind of had to train myself when right. I mixed, I would do, I would do things like, you know, flip myself around, sit backwards. I'd cut my finger over my hand, uh, my hand over my ear, and I would uh, hear more high frequencies. I would this ear, that ear. Um, so I kind of had to retrain my brain to hear it right. Mm. And uh, and then, you know, play it for other people. Does this sound right? Does this sound too muddy to you? Does this sound too bright? So that was uh, that was the um, probably the struggle with the first one. But after it came out, it, you know, it got some, it's got some good reception. It was on Soma. Which it's hard from what I hear. It's hard to get on Soma FM. It's it's not that easy. You're familiar with Soma, of course, right? Mm-hmm. It's one of the yeah. And so it was on Drone Zone or something. And I think for like a month and a half, it was like in the time I'm looking at the charts, the you know the the plays and the listeners, and I'm like right up there, like two or three below, like Steve Roach and Robert Rich and everything like that. You know, and I'm like, maybe maybe I maybe I don't suck at this. You know. So that's that really gave me a lot of confidence for the second album, and this 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 one just was a I, this was all new stuff over the course of a year, and uh, I'm really happy with it. I didn't have the doubt, and the uh, I felt a lot more confident putting this one out. I think. Mm. What What do you think contributed to your increased confidence? Were there things that you heard along the way, or maybe someone that inspired you to f- discard some of the? The beliefs that kind of held you back or the beliefs that made you feel like you have to amount to something or get approval from people well it's funny about the approval thing you know because i, I don't want to say this it, 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 but it, i think having you know 
having that sort of like I think the Soma FM thing kind of gave me a, a little confidence boost. I was like, I'm 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 charting with the people I admire. I'm charting with my heroes. You know, I'm like I'm playing on a playlist with them and. Maybe and then that my I'd come in and I'd be playing. I'm listening to it on a thing. And my wife, my wife comes in. Oh, this is really good. Is this Steve Roach? I'm like, no, actually, it's 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 me. But thank you. So it, it, and and a couple other. I had some friends that were like some diehard music for airports type people and stuff, and they were like, wow, this 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 sounds kind of good, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it was just, you know, I think I was worried about that trap about just putting out some generic bland stuff and. I, I, you know, I, I think I sort of succeeded. I mean, I don't want to. I'm trying to be humble about it, but uh, yeah. I, I, and so the second one was just, all right, I got this. But the the, the challenge that one presented was more, well, where do I go with this? You, you know, how do I? I want to build. I don't want to just do another album like Mostly Gray. I want to mm-hmm. build on it. And so I was like, well, how about just a little more motion in some of the music. And there's a little more motion in this music than in my first album. It's a little. This, I mean, I don't mean it's not full on. It's not. It's not, it's not Klaus Schulze or something like that. But it's right, it's right. it's got the motion in it because I, I really do like some of the. I'm inspired a lot by uh, like some of the modern Berlin school stuff. Like uh, if you play like Martin Sturzer or uh, uh, Radio Massacre International, some of these guys are doing the old school Berlin stuff with the arpeggios and and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But they're doing it in a way that sounds fresh. They're not just throwing on like a Mellotron and a Model Ten and. You know, and and uh, so I don't want to just jump from that to that, but I feel like okay, let me see if I can evolve. So maybe my next album will have a little more of that. Maybe it'll have some more sequences in it or something like that. So it's just mm-hmm. I'm just trying. It's hard to fit. You know, it's really hard. Look at my notes here. It's like just trying to find your own voice in this kind of music. It just yeah. it's just so hard. It because it it's is hard. it it takes time to find your voice, and there's. You know, there's no way around it. You have to put in the time to find your voice. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and the only way you find your voice is trying. Just mm-hmm. throwing stuff out on the DAW, out on paper, out on a mm-hmm. tape, whatever it is, whatever the medium, and and putting in the sweat equity of figuring out what really resonates with you. And I think the wonderful thing about it is that... Um, what that thing is is not the same for everyone. So your not at all, your, no, not at all. Your sound, your um, the thing that resonates with you is going to be completely unique from someone else. I mean, it'll obviously have overlapping characteristics because that's just the way the law of probability works. You know. What's somebody. interesting about that, though, and this is what I think I like about ambient music. I mean, I guess it would apply to any kind of instrument music, instrumental music, but I really hear it with ambient music is. What I like about ambient music is it's personal when I create it. But once I give it to you, it can mean whatever it wants to you. Yes. I, I could have I could have been sad as all hell when I did something, and you hear it, and I'm like, oh, this is just good music for sitting here and looking at these clouds today. It, it, it I, I like that. I like I like giving somebody something. It's like here, what is how does this make you? What does this do for you? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's kind of what I find liberating about it, as opposed to writing a funk song or a, a, even a jazz right. song. It's just you know, so yeah. And the whole world's your oyster. You can you can try whatever you want, and you're not mm-hmm. bound by 
the artificial boundaries or restrictions you know that come with style or genre and or, or trying to make people dance right right as a funk as a funk bass player believe me that's that's the, <laughs> that's, that's always the one on your head it's like oh it's well i mean that, that's the other thing when i when i finally started really doing this you know because i've never I've, I'm, not, I'm not a good writer of conventional music I mean, i've written a few things here and there but i'm, I'm just i'm just not that good at it I'm a, i mean i'm a pretty accomplished player i've been playing for 35 years or something but I'm not a very good writer in that regard. And when I first started doing it, I think what got me so excited is like, wow, I'm just really just making music for me. I'm not backing up the singer. I'm not trying to play like James Brown's guy or John Schofield's guy or whatever, you know? And it was just so liberating. I remember that when I first started doing it, I'm like, I'm just doing this for me, you know? And, and, and if, if it comes out and it's good, I'll share it. If it's not, I won't. Mm-hmm. And I, I just find I find that approach just so liberating. It's 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 nice. It's nice. I mean, it's terrifying. It's terrifying when people want to hear. It. Well, it's terrifying <laughs> when people want to hear it. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I've got. I mean, for this one here, I've got like two or three other interviews lined up. I think I'm already on three or four podcasts. I'm like, people want to hear this stuff. This is strange because I guess there's so many people out there that, like, uh, like uh, Damien had mentioned. You know, it's just like uh, everything. You know, people put out. You know, everything they, they put out, they put on, you know, they throw it on SoundCloud and they do this and they do that and they, you know, flood the zone, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think that necessarily everything I create is necessarily worth sharing or worth listening to. I've got a folder of stuff on my hard drive of just, I call it like dabblings and musings or mm-hmm. whatever. And it's just, this was great. It was fun at the time. It's not nothing I'm going to do anything with. So yeah. it, it's, it's it's interesting to how to you know how to promote this stuff you've been doing it how long have you been doing it oh my god i probably as long as you um i've been are you serious oh yeah i'm, I'm what, what do you care i i started well i started out long time ago um, that's what i mean you sound like you've been doing it a long time you, you... i started out doing i was this is back in the early 90s started out in alternative bands writing my own stuff some acoustic stuff uh eventually after a couple band breakups decided i was going to go solo for a while and i did solo acoustic music for a number of years when that was kind of popular in the tracy chapman genre Mm -hmm. type thing the new folk the new folk new folk Um, eventually that started to morph into acoustic instrumentals. So I was doing a little bit of like, um, what I dubbed urban acoustic. So it was like acoustic music, but set to more electronic beats and stuff. So a little bit more, a little bit more funky, but then it started to evolve into this more like quiet instrumental stuff. And a lot less singing, a lot less vocals, a lot less intentional writing, and more improv. Uh-huh. And eventually, life circumstances came up. I had kids and another band breakup, and I just I nearly hung up music altogether for the better part of five years because it was it was one of the worst band breakups I've ever had. Um, and struggled with the thing that a lot of you know new musicians probably struggle with these days in terms of i throw my stuff out there but who's listening Mm -hmm. you know the uh, and nowadays you know the the saturation of the market is it's 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 impossible to climb your way up you know not without money 
um, influence and the right connections. And, and that's not even that's not a guarantee either. Right. I mean, that's not none even of, a guarantee. Yeah, either. none of that is guaranteed. I mean, a lo- most of that stuff is entirely out of your control. And and what you're left with is, why am I doing this? And for me, um, this was about the the point that I had discovered, started discovering ambient music, but uh, via neoclassical. So I was mm-hmm. exposed to um, groups like artists like Niels Fromm and uh, Winged Victory for the Sullen. You know, other artists too, like Sigaros and Olafur Arnolds and lots of other cats like that. Just pretty squarely like crossover classical or neoclassical. But then finding my way through the back door into ambient and discovering, oh my gosh, I really like this. Oh my gosh, this helps me fall asleep. Oh my gosh. Are you a classic are you are you more of a classic definition ambient guy? Um I'm really open to ambient. The the only my only hang ups is when people start adding a lot of rhythmic components. That's that's I still struggle with that too, and I don't want to be the old fart, but I'm just like it's it's you know, oh ambient, I listen to it and it's like like if you if you call something ambient and you're immediately confronted with electronic drums. I'm just going to call that as a miscategorization. And it it's is, okay. It's, it's... Maybe maybe there's ambient influences. And this is part of the, the issue that I have with like um, applying meta tags or tags to music styles. Mm-hmm. You know, hello, doggy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, n- nobody's here. That's what always just drives me nuts. Nobody's here yep. on the dog's part. I know my dog does the same thing. Here. She imagines something outside, and then all of a sudden, I, she has to bark about it. But, but to your to your point, though, the with without trying to be that old fart that's complaining about the things that are well, that's not kids today with their ever drums. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, uh, I, I, I am. In the same breath, I'm working very hard to see all of the possibilities. And and actually, the more artists that I have talked to um, over s- sessions like this or indirectly through email and listening to all the submissions, I'm seeing ambient music as this gigantic grouping of possibilities. You know, mm-hmm. you've got, oh, I don't, I don't, you know, you've yeah. got the granular synthesis folks. You've got the the people who are, you know, they've generative synthesis with their massive mm-hmm. racks of, you know, or virtual or physical or otherwise. And you've got, of course, the neoclassical. You've got more of the mm-hmm. sound bed. You've got dark ambient, and it's lots of possibilities. I think it's the drum thing. I mean, I think I feel like we're on the same. And I, like I said, I won't poop. But I mean, I mean, what what is one of the most popular? Influential ambient albums of our time, the Aphex Twin, Aphex mm-hmm. Twin ambient works. Okay, I remember when I first, oh, ooh, ooh, some new ambient I hadn't heard. You know, I was still in my Eno phase. I'm like, this all has drums on it. How is this? But I, I accept that it's it's hard. It's hard. I guess it's probably I'm probably my frustration is more like just when I'm trying to describe what I do, mm-hmm. because you know I don't want to say I'm an ambient drone musician because to me that one I don't want to be stuck there. Right, right. You know, I don't want to be stuck there. 
But I think when I say that, I mean, to some people, they're like, oh, you mean like Aphex Twin? Or you mean this? I'm like, well, no. I mean, and I don't have rhythmic elements in my music in terms of the drums, mostly because I just really suck at drum programming. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, it, it is, I have tried, I've got a drum machine. I just, you know, I'll listen to things. Oh, I'll, I'll even copy. So, oh, just, yeah, just do this hi-hat here and do this and do this. And I just, it, it it's always sounds so awful. I mean, I hope I, I hope I get better at it. I really do. Just takes time but, and uh, practice. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny because I'm a bass player. I'm a, a bass player who plays like really rhythmic kinds of music. You figure mm-hmm. I'd at least understand what drums do a little bit. So don't tell anybody. I at least won't. anybody. Your, your anybody secret is safe with me. Zip. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and it's funny too because I, I don't, it's, it's also with this music. You know, my, most of my friends are into like, I don't know. They're into Americana. They're folkies. Yeah, yeah. They're into, they're dead. I mean, I, I'm a deadhead. I mean, I hang yeah. out with a lot of deadheads still. They don't even know my music exists. I mean, my music is what you, I mean, I, I always think of like, you know, when, you know, the party goes on too long. I mean, it's not as hard when you get to be middle-aged because all of a sudden instead of everybody leaving at 12 or 2, they're leaving. Oh, meanwhile, it's like 10 o'clock, everybody's gone. Yeah. Wow, this is great. But I've always thought, it used to be when I want to clear a party, I'd throw on like Relay or Tales from Topographic Oceans or something, you know, some epic yes piece that's just like, oh God, this is so many notes. Why won't they stop? And now it's, I think I just throw on one of my, uh, I just throw on one of my albums that, clear the room you know i just don't think they get it that's okay though <laughs> it's, I, you know it's, it's perfectly it's okay i think there's probably more musicians that listen to ambient music than non-musicians i i'm kind of wondering about that yeah it's yeah it's um yeah i i think so it's it's funny too because about you know coming from the you know the whole prog rock fusion background and stuff and that was another struggle i had with uh the first album because i you know i throw it on or right, i think i got it the way i want it so before i met you know i the master on the city. I just sit there and listen to it. And I'm sitting there like, listen to this and listen to that little nuance. And I, you know, it, it's never, it's never right. It's never perfect enough. So I said to one of my friends, he goes, that's interesting, John. It's like, you're listening to it like, uh, it's prog rock or it's jazz. You know, like you're sitting, you're listening to every little element. I'm like, yeah. It's like, when you throw on an ambient, a typical ambient album is not yours. How do you listen to it? Well, I just kind of throw it on the background and do what I'm doing. It's like, well, that's the test. That's how you should be mm, testing your own music, really. And wise. once I got that, once I got that, so I would just throw it on and forget about it and just start doing my work or throw it on and forget about it and pet the dog or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was another thing that kind of helped with the, you know, just the insecure, insecurity aspect of it. Let's check out a track from Thorny's debut album, Mostly Gray. This is entitled Waiting for What Never Comes. Here on Ambient Discourses. Thank you. 
Well, it kind of brings us back to Brian Eno and, of course, his infamous quote about ambient music is simultaneously absolutely ignorable and at the same time completely remarkable. Exactly. If you you can have the very focused listening where you're listening for all the little elements Mm -hmm. and becoming enchanted by the sounds... And if you're, I've noticed sometimes that it's an actual, uh, with really good ambient music that that goes all over the place, has a lot of expression in it, a lot of interest. I notice that you get kind of lulled into this. You're just kind of teased into this yeah. trance almost. You know, yeah. not not to get really mystical no, about I know, it. No, but, I know, I know exactly what you mean. But I, then, it happens all the time. Yeah. Then you. St- then you lo- start to lose track of time and the fact that you're even listening to this music and mm-hmm. it just becomes almost becomes a part of you. That's what and, I love about it. Yeah. That's what I love about it. I mean, one of my favorite albums to listen to is uh, Steve wrote the delicate forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so minimalist. I mean, it's, it's the perfect throw to, throw on, th- you know, throw on, but when you go to bed album, it's just, it's, it's so perfect. Mm-hmm. It's so perfect. And it's funny. You say the thing about, you know, the you know thing about being ignored, and you know, I've clung to that a long time. But this part of me is just like, I don't want people to ignore my music. You know what I mean? I I, I kind of almost want to make something that's, hmm, you know, pulls them out. But I guess, like you said, with the good ambient music, that happens anyway. You can't ignore it, or you can totally get into the, yeah. get into the experience. A lot of what I my listening actually is when I cross country ski. I'll, I'll go up. There's a really good place for the uh, near here, and uh, you know, I'll go and do like you know twenty mile skis and stuff like that, and I just throw up a playlist and I, I just there's something about I think about ambient music that I get that I don't get so much with other kinds of music in terms of connecting it to visuals and I don't mean any kind of trippy psychedelic way I mean like right. there's something you see in Vermont up here a lot um, especially during the winter and what we call stick season in November where the you know we don't have big mountains here we have hilly mountains and sometimes the snow or the fog will just envelop those mountains and I, I think I was listening, I, made it, I said something before about Steve Roach's Afterlight album. And I was out skiing one day and I'm looking, I'm up on this field on top of this mountain and I see, uh, I see the, you know, the snow starting to come around the mountain and then the dark clouds over there. And I was like, this is what this music looks like. Mm. This is what this music looks like. And I want to do that. I, I want to I convey, you know, in a sense, not to be hokey, but like sometimes the wonders of nature that I see like what does that sound like to me I don't mean to right. sound like the bird the birds tweeting or the the wind blowing I mean what and some weird you know your neurons or whatever what does that music sound like and I that's that's what I go for a lot of a lot of my music is actually do you start off with it generally with an improvisation generally it's I'm always improvisation um that once it well not always but probably about 75 percent of the music that I create is entirely improvisational because it's you start with at least i start with kind of an idea in my head a concept or a picture or a mood and Mm -hmm. i just start vibing off of that and Mm -hmm. see where that takes me and then add in layers as i feel that's appropriate that's exactly how i do it that's exactly that's exactly how i do it i mean sometimes it's easier when i have like i on the first album there's one uh called the end of before Mm-hmm. And I still listen to that. And I wrote, I came home and wrote that one. Usually I'm not triggered by something to write something happened that day. And I go right. home and I'm thinking about, it. but that was the one piece. It was the day 
that every I think when COVID happened and everything really shut down, mm-hmm. and it was the I, I had this I could picture it like it was yesterday. I remember driving to the grocery store for the first time, and just no cars on the road, and it was a gray day, and I just remember looking up. And then going in the grocery store and there's people, you know, everybody's got masks on. Everybody's looking at everybody kind of, you remember, I mean, everybody's looking at everybody kind of suspiciously. And in that moment, I was like, and I went home, I just could not, I was like, I just, I think we're living through one of those really weird society altering moments that don't don't happen too often. And wow, I think I'm witnessing the the end of the before, the the before times. Mm, And that kind of just stuck with me. I went home and I wrote this piece and I I still, when I hear it, I kind of get uncomfortable when I hear it because I just, the those things come flooding back to me. But um, a lot of it too is one thing I'm still trying to figure out in terms of the dark thing. Um, I think, you know, I wrote down here, I wrote down on my my notes something about accepting the gray. And I don't, I used to think that some of this music sounded kind of dark. I mean, I do tend to gravitate towards minor keys when I'm going for a, a key. And I thought, well, I don't want to be a, a dark, a dark, I'm not a dark person. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'll struggle with mild depression every now and then, or, you know, anxiety has always been an issue with me, but I'm not a dark person. I don't know if I want to put that vibe out there. But then I think I was listening to some of Robert Rich's stuff and uh, Steve Brand, I don't know if you know who he is, uh, and, and Roach, and I'm like, maybe this stuff isn't dark. Maybe it's, it's gray because that's how a lot of the world really is. The world is gray and gray is not necessarily something, you know, even though gray is part black, which we associate with negative, I don't mean it a racial, but we associate black with darkness and fear. And, and, but gray also has, the other half of gray is white. And, you know, I've always thought a realist, cause I like to think of myself as a realist. I always thought a realist is somebody whose cynicism is tempered by their idealism and their idealism is tempered by their cynicism. And if you take that approach, you're a realist. And I kind of, I've kind of come to accept that maybe my music isn't scary and dark. I'm not trying to evoke, you know, if you look at like the way, you know, cryo chamber, you're familiar with that label, right? Mm-mm. It's a cin- cinematic, dark ambient label okay. on Bandcamp. Great stuff. It's, it's nothing like what you or I do, but the imagery around it's pretty, the, the imagery they try to portray with it is very, you know, sort of this dystopian thing and this, you know, I don't, I don't really want to, you know, I was, I was a little worried about my music kind of putting that vibe out there. And now I think I've just accepted the gray. I'm not going to be this new agey kind of bubbly person mm-hmm. that makes you, makes you always feel just positive emotions and want to go get a massage. <laughs> but I mean, I, you know, I tell you, if I ever walk into a massage parlor or a wellness spa or something, and I hear my music, I think I'll probably just stop right there because I, <laughs> I, I know I, I, I did something wrong. <laughs> I'm not knocking, I'm not knocking that, but it's just, it's, it's not my thing. But on, on the, other, on the other hand, I, I don't want to be this. You know, I don't want to. You know, I don't want my music to depress you. Right, right. You, you know what I mean. You know, um, Robert. Rich, not to bring up our hero again. I'll talk about Robert Rich all night. Okay, right. I'll talk so about her. Robert had a very wonderful thing to say. We we actually kind of touched on the whole dark ambient and and negative and not negativity, but the dark aspect of ambient music. And when you're starting to write about things like grief and and heartache and loss and and in his wisdom, he said, "Well, you." You can't have these wonderful, happy moments 
and to be able to appreciate them or these wonderful, beautiful things without having some of the ugliness and some of the, mm-hmm. the struggle and some of the things that make life real. I mean, we tend, I think as humans, we tend to be pretty escapist in, mm-hmm. in the things that we seek out and we tend to kind of downplay the, the down times or the, the negative times or the difficult times, the struggles. But it's those things that that that's gives you the perspective it's, of beauty it's part of, just of of whatever the human the joy of being human it's yes. funny because i was when i was thinking about you know you always try to think of what kind of image you're trying to portray when you got marked yourself and when i thought about the first album it was called mostly gray i was like i said to somebody well it's kind of gray music for gray times mm. and what are they and I'm like well what do you mean i mean do you mean like you know whatever trump and all this crazy stuff that's going on in the country i'm like well yes that's one side of it but you could also look at it like, I don't know, childhood poverty is still at historically low rates or, you know, people don't die at 50 anymore, you know. So it's 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 just a reflect. I think the kind of a gray is sort of an, a reflection of even the time we live in. There's some wonderful things going on. There's, you know, people like you and I are making this music and it's reaching people. We don't need to, you know, hope that I'm an Erdogan or somebody from, uh, you know, what was he on Columbia? Whatever, you know, but you know, wait for some guy to hear us to make our, you know make our career you know mm-hmm. now it's just it's just we could put that out there and maybe if it if it resonates with people and we know how to market it a little bit or go to the right places like send it to nice podcasts and people that interview people we can go somewhere with it. well it's i mean what do, what do you look at as success would you say you're successful i for me th- that's a really good question maybe i'm interviewing you now I, I, i'm sorry yes. <laughs> i'm gonna start a podcast i'm gonna use this for my first podcast actually that, that's but, great uh, <laughs> i'll send i'll send you the stem files <laughs> yeah, yeah, um yeah. so for me and and this is this is and this, this is gonna require a not a lengthy answer but it's gonna require a couple minutes to explain this Go because for, for me you know like most of us as musicians we've been sold a bag of goods that we've been sold the dream that record deal record you know start a band write a bunch of music work on your demo get the Make label start yeah. releasing albums tour you're rich and famous end of been story there, done that yeah been there done that you know 30 years 30 plus years later you're like well that didn't pan out like i hoped it <laughs> And I have a mortgage now, or a kid, right. or something. A mortgage, it's, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to eat eat beans in the van every day. Yeah. Right. Um, so for me, I had coming off of I think it was about five to seven years of being uh, in what I would dub my my musical exile. Um, self-imposed. Self-imposed. Self-imposed right, exile. Right, right. Just like I don't know why I'm doing this. Nobody listens. Well, a few people do, and it's the same people all the time. And I'm, right. I really appreciate that they listen to my music, but I'm getting tired of hearing the That's great job from the same people. And yeah. and I felt like I was getting nowhere. But I had this back in 2019. I had fell into this philosophy called stoicism it's an old Mm -hmm. old ancient philosophy and there one of the main tenets of the philosophy is this that the dichotomy of control and having a firm understanding of the difference between what is in your control and what is not 
And of course, the things that are in your control is very finite. It's it's your thoughts, your speech, what you do, your mm-hmm. opinions about things, your beliefs, right. and beyond that, the all the things, the infinite number of things that are out of out of your control. You have no business wasting any of your energy and time on. I mean, that's you, a hard thing to deal with, yeah. though. To step that, I, start, yeah. I struggle with that all the time. You know, big time. Have friends, have friends come in. Why do you care? It's like you're right. Why should I? You know, right? I, I, I go right. ahead. I know what you mean. I know exactly and, what you mean. And it was that exercise of like, or you know, kind of going through my life mentally, thinking about all of the things that I've been worrying too much about and giving too much of my time and energy to that were out of my control. And then I heard this little inaudible voice in my head go. Yeah, you should do this exercise with your music. And so By the stoicism to the music basically. Yeah, so so I was on this nature I was on this walk through this nature reserve while I was doing this and so it was in the middle of the middle of like late fall in Minnesota when no one is out walking because it's like freezing cold but it's not even snowy yet and yeah. nobody it's, it's just gray depressing yeah. nobody likes it well yeah, stick, stick season that's what we call it okay. yes and in the middle of stick season i was and verbally kind of going through this and like started reciting all or like verbalizing all of the things that are out of my control regarding the music industry writing music releasing music all of the things and i'm like yeah I shouldn't be worrying about that, 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 that. And then I turned the con, the conversation. I turned the self dialogue around and, all right, what are the things that are within my control with regard to music? Well, I can control how much, to some degree, how much I practice. I can, I can control how much time, or, well, relatively how much time or energy I put into a piece. Or, or how I cultivate my craft and I can just create because it deep down somewhere and this is where it was kind of a leap of faith for me at that point right. in my life because you. it brings me joy and I'm like it brings me joy and I'm crossing my fingers hoping <laughs> that this will come true and, and the more that I meditated on this idea these, these ideas and started working them into my life piece by piece by piece started removing different things in my life that that musically speaking that were not ringing true with these ideas mm-hmm. so the idea of you know what i should not be concerned about how many people click the like button or how many people are mm-hmm. subscribing or just how low my Spotify stream numbers are and or oh I made seven dollars last quarter on Bandcamp. <laughs> Yay last year. Last year. <laughs> last yeah, year. Exactly. And and it slowly started transforming to this experience of I'm gonna create music because the reward is the process. The reward is the journey. The reward is not what you produce. The reward is not what you get from all your listeners. It's the fact that you woke up today and you had the privilege and the honor of being able to make something and get to express yourself, get to observe the universe, get to observe life, and then respond Mm -hmm. to that in turn. Mm -hmm. And 
It's so a very long <laughs> winded no, fine. No, fine. roundabout way of that is that, make, that makes sense. Kind of how I fell into making ambient music and 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 turning turning away from um, the the whole glam of trying to be successful because you know success is also, really did you show up and make something today do, do, do you do you still get satisfaction though when you do get those downloads you get those does it and there was, oh yeah i mean i don't mean from like oh wow it's another five cents in the pocket i'm gonna pay the mortgage off this month more like the wow i i put my vulnerabilities out there i i showed my ass basically yes and and, I, it, and people people liked it and it didn't scare them away right that that to, so it's not like the constant need for self-validation because I, yeah, I think what you said is exactly. i resonate completely with that but i think what what comes after that is like when oh my god you know i mean a lot of people did hear that first album now yeah. and a lot of people did seem to like it i'm like i mean that's not the success but the fact that i was able to like get this whole thing done right and put, put my true self out there and that that's the success like you said just the idea of being able to do it but then i think on top of that having it sort of be accepted by some people i i, right. I did like that that wasn't the goal right but it, it made me want to continue and do more it's like well maybe i don't know maybe i have something worth listening to i don't know i mean i'm only at album number two so right and you know i i think it's i think it's perfectly acceptable to you know grab onto some of that validation um i've stopped using it as fuel though right right no me too me too yeah exactly it's exactly terrible exactly. combustible and oh, it's <laughs> terrible especially you know especially in this kind of music i mean because yeah. i mean you know i have a friend come oh, are you working on your astrology music <laughs> and i'm like and, and, you know and so i mean i'm like i'm like you know yeah, the, yeah, the readers yeah. can't see what i'm doing or the listeners can't see but and i was like oh god no you know, yeah. But uh, you know, it's. But you know, I'm, I'm feeling good about it. I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good about it. And that's the important point. You know, I have a, a I have, you know, uh, Damien had mentioned therapy. You know, the therapeutic aspect of music. And my head's, my head is so damn busy. You know, maybe strong, my personality, my anxiety, whatever. It just, it, there's a lot of noise going on here. Yeah. yeah way yeah, too, yeah. way too, for way too many hours of the day. And I think what I like about both listening to the music, but even more importantly, creating is I feel like sometimes it catches me in the moment. I'm just, I'm working on something for, you know, five, 10 minutes. I'm like, oh my God, I feel at peace. Mm-hmm. I feel like that guy in the coffin finally, you know, it's just, ah, he's finally at peace and not feeling anything, you know? So th- that's the therapeutic aspect for me, yeah. you know? Let's listen to another track from See No Sky. This is the title track, See No Sky by Thorny. Here on Ambient Discourses.
I happened to catch a video of yours where you were talking about your you're doing a walk through the pedals and you oh, had you mentioned that, that. earlier. Yeah, oh yeah. Really fascinating with it. Tell me what a little bit about how you started slowly evolving and piecing all those pedals together to create what you've landed upon these days. Uh, well, that's a good question. How how did I do that? I mean, a lot of it's trial and error. Right. You know, because I mean, you know, I mean, you, you know, all the BS with the way synths pedals, you know, it's marketed the same YouTubers, you know, you never see a negative review from any of these people. They're selling, they're all selling it. And, you know, at first that wears off on you a little bit. Ooh, I must have that pedal. That's a desuckifier. I want one of those, you know, <laughs> and uh, it doesn't work. But, you know, it was just a combination of a few things here and then starting to understand some techniques. Then a lot of happy. Did I hear a dog there? Did no, that's my, I think that's my son that's, whistling in the other up. room. There you go. Okay. And <laughs> the whistling dog. But I think, so, and a lot of it was just happy accidents. You know, it was just, well, what happens if I, you know, or let me set up the looper. So I'll, you know, play a chord on the, on the, and I use an Ebo a lot sometimes on the yeah. fretless. So I'll put an Ebo on there and I'll just put something down. It's almost like taking a modular synthesis approach to it. I'll get a sound in there. Then I just start tweaking knobs and stuff. And I found myself again, grav gravitating towards those. I, I don't know. I'm obsessed with fog or something mm -hmm. and the gray. I'm just obsessed with this foggy yeah. vibe. And I was getting more and more of those sounds. And I'm like, that's when I made the leap for the synth. Cause I'm like, well, I need something else to bring into this. Um, one of the videos, um, in fact, the, the sounds on that video that you're talking about, mm -hmm. that was what eventually became top of the fog on the first album. Mm. And uh, the video for that was actually kind of cool because I, I went on, you know, all the, the, the free footage stuff and had find cloudy mountains. And I must have found 500 hours of cloudy mountains. And then I had to sync it up with the little parts of the song. And I was really happy with the way it came out. But that's that's how I think a lot of the pedal board just became trial and error. And then realizing there's a process. OK, you need a couple different things for your sound base, whether it's a synth pedal, a drone. Um, one of my favorite pedals is actually the Electro Harmonics Mel 9 pedals, the Mellotron pedal, because mm. it really sounds like a Mellotron. It, it, it nails it. So I would do those, get those bass sounds down, and then that's where you okay, what happens if I put the particle delay into the tape echo delay, and then I run that through the black hole reverb, and then run that one through another thing, and then just smack my bass and just let it go for five minutes and listen to it. So the pedal the pedal board now what I use it for, in fact, a few nights ago I did it is I, I'll sit down, I'll tweak, I'll try to get a nice little soundscape or something. Then I'll just sit there and I'll record it for, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. And then later on when I go and do the work with the sense, I just kind of look at that as, okay, maybe I can pull some of this in and weave it into the synth piece. Oh, I'll pull another piece in. So I've, I've kind of used them in conjunction with each other and because you can really, I, I love, I'm, I'm not like a mono synth, really simple synth kind of guy. I love really dense, mm -hmm. dense, you know, really things. Oh my God, what's going on in there? This, yes. that, the other thing. And, and I, the bass has just become an extension of that with the pedal board. Mm -hmm. I love, I love, you know, I, I'm probably, my desert island pedals, the eventide black hole pedal. Um, one technique I like to do is actually is I'll, I'll make a very, incredibly busy polyrhythmic ar arpeggio something that you know if you listen to it for like two minutes you're like all right turn that crap off you know it's just so so busy it's like you know i don't know klaus schultz on cocaine i don't know so so but what i'll do then is i'll throw it through a crazy a crazy really deep deep hole you know black hole reverb and all of a sudden it just becomes you don't hear the individual notes you don't hear the the uh you don't hear the percussive attack and then you just do the smear and then you start playing your filters and stuff 
So you have this abstract, what the hell does this sound here? And then you have the filters come in and out and do things yeah. like that. And I just love making these these beds, uh, these beds of sound just, because uh, it's all just about the mountains and the clouds and the snow with me, I guess. I don't know. I liked what you said in the video about how there was lots of little particles, lots of little notes, but then you smear it all and it just becomes yeah. this this opaque kind of yeah. hard to describe tangible Amorphous. feeling but if you think about it that is what fog is it's all these little tiny droplets right. and and it's just it's yeah it's a perfect right. analogy i think yeah so yeah well thank you for noticing that <laughs> so that's it so that's how the, the the pedal board probably doesn't get as much love as this the sense lately but because uh, I just got, I've, I played six string for a while, but I got, I had somebody build me a fretless six string not too long ago. So I've been uh, revisiting the board with that now because you could do even lots of more cool things with the, uh, I'll take a ratchet handle, you know. Yeah. Use that. So I'll play an Ebo on the fretless with a ratchet handle over, no, uh, no, I'm sorry, like a ratchet extension. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. want to make, so it's like a big long slide. Yes. So I'll, I'll play that one handle, have the Ebo going on the other side. And uh, I guess Robert Ritz does that. Have you ever watched him? I have not seal. seen it. I, I I think that's my homework for tonight. <laughs> okay, there's there's some great videos of him doing performances on college radio and stuff. And he has one of his signature things is he has a little lap steel. Mm -hmm. Okay, yep. and what he does is I watched him. I watched one of these things. He gets the modulars going. He gets the arpeggios going, and then he'll get his ebo, stick it on one of the strings, on the pedal steel, and then he'll play it. He'll play just with the mm -hmm. drone going, and he'll play the other things. But so I'm kind of I throw a little bit of that in there, I guess. Yeah, you know, that's cool. So yeah. So looking ahead, um, what what's next on your horizon? <sighs> I probably I'm trying to figure out and not overthink it because then when you right. overthink, then you, you you get paralyzed. I want to just build on what I did here. I, I mean, the next album will sound foggy. It might have a little bit more to it. It might have a little bit more emotion. I'd like to get a little more into the long form pieces. I think what was frustrating is, I don't know if you've, you've done this with your improvs, but you start off and you get this great idea, but then you look and you realize this is the best idea I've ever had. Oh crap, it's three minutes long. You know, right. and oh, yeah. you know what I mean. Like, and I'm like, oh, do I, do I, do I play it over again and sit there and play it for 15 minutes, or do I just cut like, paste and crossfade it? And it's like, yeah. is it ambient music if it's under three minutes? I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I mean, because I mean, think about it. that's such a buzzkill. You're sitting there lying back and you're just listening to this, and oh yeah, I'm getting oh what what it's over. You know, so that's that's the thing that gets me now is I'll get these great. Wow, this is the best. This is the best 10 seconds of music I've ever written. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's so that's you know. So I want to I want to just try. I'd like to do a little bit more long form stuff. You know, I uh, the the new album has a fourteen minute piece. I I really pat my back on uh, myself yeah. on the back for that. That took that took a lot to. It does. It, you know, There's what, a lot of fortitude people, when you're playing those long pieces. What people don't realize, and especially jazz snobs, I know because I have been known to be one, and I've hang out with a lot of them, is I don't think, and that's another a real appreciation I have, is how hard it is to play like this to not add something you know what i mean you, yeah. you, you get this great texture and then you, you, your first urge being somebody who's played conventional music before oh maybe i could put this little thing in here but and it's like no yeah. no 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 don't do that you Leave gotta it. restrain Leave yourself <laughs> i just have to say how much i'm really enjoying our conversation i've had enough long conversations that i'm watching the clock and i'm getting closer and closer closer to that hour mark and i'm like Man, I, I could, could just listen for another hour and just go with it. Cause it was like 
my conversation with Robert, of course, that I could have gone for three hours and just listened to that man talk. Mm. He's He's mm. got a wealth of life experiences. Uh, another great guy I talked to, um, his name is Stefano from Entheogenic Sound Explorers from Italy. Just super. I heard Entheogenic. Do they put out albums under Entheogenic, or is that somebody else? No, it's Entheogenic Sound Explorers. They're they're relatively smaller um, uh, ambient electronic group. Uh, It's a duo from Italy, and their so their their whole premise is what I really like about them is they don't have any of the the trappings of I have to stay within this style or genre or i i have to use only these sounds they're just like no we're just the this is a playground and we're going to just try things out and that's That's something i i struggle with i struggle with that because as i mentioned before i don't want to get pigeonholed i mean it's early in my career um let me show you my lamborghinis i've bought with all this ambient (laughs) music money um (laughs) but i thought about you look at somebody like uh Steve Roach, for example, I keep going back to Steve Roach because he's he's just a profound. Not everything, because Steve Roach does definitely get into that new age stuff sometimes. Not so much lately, but he has gone down that route. But what's amazing about Steve Roach's career is he goes through these phases. If you if you follow his whole career, you know the structures of silence and the modular stuff. And I want to be able to do that. I'd like to be able to have a few more albums in this vein, and then slowly move into something else a little bit like he has his tribal stuff mm-hmm. he has his uh sequencer music he has his uh sound immersions you know I, I, my struggle now is i'm trying how do i get to that point where i don't get pigeonholed i don't you know because if you know say i have four or five more albums like this and all right i'm sending them out to the same people and they're, they're liking them and they're putting them on their podcast but then what if i decide to do the uh the Neil Berlin School album. Mm-hmm. You know, do I put that under another name? Do I, do I, yeah, that's, those are the things yep. I'm trying to figure out next. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Those are, those are the types of questions that I think a lot of us uh, go through. Let me read something to you. I've been reading this book. Um, this is called The Creative Act um, A Way of Being, and it's by Rick Rubin. The producer? The, yes, the producer. The, the, the Rick Rubin? The Rick Rubin. Um, oh, what does he know? A lot more than I do, apparently. Oh, uh, but more than, yeah. He wrote, To dismiss an idea because it doesn't work in your mind is to do a disservice to the art. The only way to truly know if any idea works is to test it. And if you're looking for the best idea, test everything. How do you test that though? What does testing it mean? So you're sitting in front of your DAW. You're like, well, I think I would like to try, you know, adding this field recording in. My brain tells me I'm not so confident about, you know, the sounds of seagulls in my music. But what if you I wouldn't buy that album. But but what if you Alright, what if we added some treatment to it or did some interesting things? Like um one of the things I really Love, but I don't know if you've heard the new Sigarose album. It uh, just came out. I watched one of the videos. Yeah, it, it was just a came really out. bizarre. Did you see the video? I have not seen the video yet. Oh my god! It's this weird thing. It starts off at like uh, there's like a desert. It's just going, and you start to see a dead, a couple dead bodies in the desert. And as the thing keeps going, more and more dead bodies. By the oh, time weird. the video's over, there's just mountains and mountains of dead. Oh, it's really. Oh, I'm gonna have to check that out. The yeah, really- the opening track 
of course, has the whole trademark cinematic Sigaros mm. sound. But then layered in it is, and uh. I haven't tested this out yet, and I'm about ready to do that one of these days. Where, but it has this backtracked uh, where they they've sung something, pitch modulated it up an octave, and flipped it in reverse and added some effects onto it. And it layered so nicely with. Does it still sound like a vocal? Y- yeah. Or yes. Does it sound like something else. Yes, it sounded like a vocal, but but not like a vocal vocal. It was like very right. kind of um, almost childlike kind of, but oh, with a so, mix. It's up so high, so, right? Yeah, and it was really really interesting. I can't stop listening to it because it was something really. It wasn't like all right. Let's just throw a. A reversed vocal on here just because that's trendy to do but they took time to manipulate mm-hmm. the sound and mm-hmm. oh that's you know and that's that's the magic for me. i love just I, I love it when you get like when i did that thing with the the busy klaus schulze cocaine uh mm-hmm. arpeggio there and i threw it i was like i kind of feel like i just created something like this is a sound that does not exist in nature i'll tell you that much mm-hmm. and it's it's very satisfying to do that yeah, you know, sound design is. I'm not. I mean, how are your sound design skills? Are you? Can you? I mean, do you mm. you preset guy one or the other? A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, you can I'm admit a, it. I won't I'm a anybody. tinker. I'm a tinker. Um, I I have a very difficult time doing it from scratch, like grabbing yeah, a field recording and then getting into the granular synthesis of it and then manipulating. Mm. It's like that's oh, too exhausting. It's hard. It gets in the way of the process sometimes. Yeah, I. I yeah. find that when I've got an idea or a concept or a picture in my head that I'm trying to get out musically, I want to remove as many barriers as I can. And so I'll start out, you know, typically with um, uh, Alchemy is one of my favorite um, plugins in the Logic environment. It has just. Mm-hmm. It's like a couple synthesizers all wrapped Wait, up. Is that into cam- one. The, ca- the Camel Audio Alchemy? No, no, it's the, the, well, it, it might. It's it belongs to. It's a part of Logic now. It's, oh, it is okay. All right. So all right. it's not a separate plugin, even though there's been rumors in the wind that you know it might break off from Logic someday. But mm-hmm. but it has a wealth of options, so that when you're like really struggling to, all right, want something. A little bit spacey, but not spacey, and to have a little bit of grit, but not too much, but a little bit of cinematic, and you can find something that's close, and then then I'll go through and manipulate with not with all the different pre- knobs and presets and everything to kind of shape and sculpt it to un- until it, something clicks you know when you get that yeah, I, you I get do that, that a moment, lot too like oh yeah that i love the way that feels i also look at it as like somebody somebody made a sound i really like yes it's obviously i'm allowed to use it well why not why not i mean right. do, is it is it only legit if i i conjured everything up from scratch you know that's that's why mm-hmm. i don't own modular synthesizers because i don't have the attention span for that right um and i respect the hell out of modular people but oh just, my gosh it's a it's I, a science man <laughs> it is but but i mean I, I i like i know it's also about the permanence thing when i create yeah. that sound i kind of want to be able to use it again i don't want to just you know it's, it's, i totally get it. i see the magic of it wow this thing and as soon as i pull this little plug out it's all gone yes. you, know, you know okay cool 
you know, I mean, I, you know, I'd love to, I don't know. It's, I'm not a math guy either. So, I mean, that's, I think why modular just doesn't, but I love it. I mean, I love listening to it. I yeah. Ian Bodies and, and, you know, Steve Roach's stuff and, um, Robert Rich is really good at that stuff too. Yeah. But definitely I'm trying to think there's anything else on my list here. No, I think, I think I covered everything on my list here. What about like, what's on your list? Oh my gosh. You know, <laughs> I, I, I think I got to one of my questions. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Well, let's get them out of the way real quick. Do, do the rapid fire success. Rapid fire, rapid in fire. five seconds, name your favorite oscillator. Uh, um, I didn't even glance at my questions, to be honest. I, I hijacked just... your interview. You know, it's funny because I thought... I you love know, it that I, way, I, though. I was a little... I was a little nervous about, well, first of all, I started off my bike ride way too late. So I'm sitting there, I'm like at mile 40 and I'm like, oh God, I gotta, I gotta be in this interview in, in like two hours <laughs> and I'm brain dead. I, I mean, you know, I've just biked, I biked 49 miles and 6,000 feet to, you know, three hours ago, I was finishing that up. Yeah. I'm like, what kind of shape am I going to be in tonight? I'm like, well, maybe you'll be tired. You'll be tired and you won't talk much because you tend to talk too much. But I mean. And so much for that. But and the other thing I was thinking is like I said, like I mentioned before, so many so many people when they talk about this kind of music, they're like so serious about it. Right. They're so serious about it. And that's just like I'm like, how do I convey that I'm not I'm not I'm I'm not a serious person in some ways. I mean I'm serious about my music, but you know, I I I, I don't have the depth that of looking at things that Robert Rich does. You know, I mean wait wait till you hear my next album about the Tan Dynasty. It's it's <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you know I I tell you, you know, though that um, for as deeply involved in his music that he is and, and, and how, pardon the pun, rich his music is and <laughs> I am filled with dad jokes, don't get me started. Um, uh, I don't even have kids and I, I, I kill with it. I'm just old now, I guess. Oh, God. He, I have to say that he has evolved to this point where it's... I in. At the risk of putting words in his mouth, he does come at it from ultimately a real simplistic place, you know. And I think that that reflects even in us as musicians and artists that inherently there is this simple exploration, you know, being like a child again and, ooh, what happens when I do this? Or... What what's this place gonna look like if I go there during right. this time of light? You know, so so to that point, I, I guess you know it. I'm not too worried about about taking things too seriously. Probably similar to you, because at the end of the day, what really matters is what was the experience to you, and did. Did you walk away from this enriched and feeling right. like that? Right. Wow, I just had this massive cosmic connection to through this piece. Right. You said cosmic, and you mentioned exploration before. And something that is a theme in a lot of this music is the space thing. I, I noticed mm-hmm. that on on how how much of that. How do you really connect with that? I'm just curious because. I, I had a, I had a duo for a while, a synth duo for a while. It didn't work, and we were trying to think of like, well, what, what kind of you know imagery do we want to associate with this music? And I was like, you know, we mentioned the space thing, and my friend looked at me and was like, I don't want to do that. And I was like, why? I don't think about space. I think about nature. And I thought about that, and I'm like, well, you know, kind of. That's kind of how I am too. I'm just curious. Is is I mean, what's the relation to space in your music? I mean, is it because we call it space music? I mean, it's marketed about, you know, there's always a picture of a galaxy on the website somewhere. You know, it's, and it, I wonder how much of this is something like, 
is it is there a real connection with it with everybody i mean i'm sure for some people it's just well i better market this some way i uh, for me it it does come from my childhood my i had a deep fascination with outer space with um the nasa program um in fact i remember in my childhood days watching columbia go up in smoke i was and, gonna say that i was like he's like he's not gonna say the moon uh, landing i hope he's not that no old. i'm <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was not around for the moon landing. I, no, I, I, I missed neither. that by a few years. Um, I did too. But the the thing that that intrigues me about outer space is that it's, um, it's there's so much that is unknown, and there's there's a perfect metaphor to I think for ambient music and the idea of outer space because there's so much space between <laughs> objects between things right. there's just, just yeah. openness and incomprehensible yes if you think about you know when you're at least for minimalist ambient music it's re it really is about the breathing room that you give between mm -hmm. notes or between phrasings or between mm -hmm. themes themes right. and so it's but it's not where i completely draw all of my inspiration from it because at 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 some point it starts to become okay you know too familiar so i find that when i when i start to become too comfortable with what i'm doing musically i immediately start looking for the next siren song if so to speak the the next thing that draws me in go oh that's interesting like one one of the ideas that i'm toying around with my head in my head right now that i've yet to execute on and i had this experience uh a few weeks back i was walking my dog um and we live pretty close to a freeway and so there's lots lots of traffic noise but I had this moment where I was like, what would happen? And I don't even know if this is, if I can do this, but you know how when you cross your eyes, you know, just the right way and everything just becomes a wash of color and there's no right. definition. Like, Blurs out. What if, yeah. what if you could do that musically to the environment around you? Like, what if you could, all right, what, what is, smear it. what is this? Yeah. What is the smear of, those cars passing by or that honk, that horn that's honking or the the other sounds in in the city what 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 does that sound like and then one of the things i would love to do is then try and go back distill each of the pieces so take like a field recording not use it in the recording but use the field recording as my sketch pad mm -hmm. to take notes of like okay there was that sound and there was that sound and that sound and then go through and try to not so much recreate faithfully to how it sounds but the emph the the essence of that no, I get sound what you're saying. I get what you're saying. so I get that what you're saying. kind of becomes this impressionistic pa sound painting of your your environment wherever you happen to be so maybe not recreating ha, ha, you know? right right I <laughs> but mean, yeah, that, but, yeah. the, the idea of what happens if you experience some of these sounds but recreated and see what happens you know 
So it's it's, it's, it's things like that that um, when I start to feel that I'm in a rut with my music, I'll start to look for other things to challenge me and to steer me in another direction. I just watch action movies when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Let's check out another track, shall we, from Thorny. This is from the album Mostly Gray, and it's entitled Nebraska. Here, an ambient discourses.
But I, I like last week I was working pretty hard in the studio. I said four nights, I got two or three new ideas. Eventually, I'm like, I need to turn the brain off. So what would turn the brain off? I should have said what would damage my brain irreparably. But I said what would. So I watched Fast X, the the stupid tenth Fast and the Furious movie. I swear to God, I think my I think my I, I think I I think that's a piece of my brain over there on the floor. The yeah, dog is yeah. about to eat. It is. I mean, that's what I'll do to unwind. I just I just need something mindless. That I just want to get away. You play a video game, play a. Yeah. But then when I you know, so I did that for three or four three or four nights and then uh back at it the other night mm-hmm. coming you know back at it coming at the other night and uh yeah i've got you know it's funny too because i've got these you know getting talking about the genre thing and how do you branch out it's like another thing i was doing for a while uh i, I did this piece oh, what was it called dark magic of loss i never released it and i was like what would a person who'd lived me maybe like a hundred years what would be going on in their head in the final moments before they died. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't mean like die something horrible. I mean, just. Right, right. And so I did this thing and I went and I found, I thought it's going to be a very old person. So I went on the Internet Archive. This is totally unlike me to do this kind of music. Um, and I found uh, one or two uh, old, I don't know, I don't even want to call them crooner, maybe I, music from the 20s with a singer, blah, 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 oh, blah. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. Like you'd hear the, like the shining in the ballroom, that stuff, right. you know? Total schmaltzy and, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. My baby. And, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, I grabbed two of those and I, I put, uh, and, and they sound like deteriorated to begin with. Mm-hmm. I think this was, I was going through my Bozinski phase or something. I don't know. But uh, I put one there, then I put the other one there and I kind of melded them. It just so happened they were the same tempo and the same key. I did oh, not attend it that way. Beautiful. And so I just, so I just basically what I did is I drew two crossfades, op- opposing cross, not crossfades, but just volume yeah, yeah. curves. And so they would just keep coming in and out. And I was like, wow, this is really disorienting. This is what I want. You know, this person's yeah. they're 100 years old. They're thinking about the music they maybe heard then. I'm like, okay, what do I do then? So then I found um, some FDR recordings, you know, his fireside chats. And I took a couple of those and I put them through like the Plexitape plugin. Mm. You know, so you'd hear like FDR and then it would trail off with the echoes. And then I'd have other things like a clock ticking or something that just like a, a young woman going i can't live without you or you know and and as the as the uh piece as the piece kept going further and further i had one of those tape plugins i think it was denise bad tape it's a really cool plugin i started just deteriorating the hell out of it towards the end as the person's dying so by the end of it it's just you know the little bits of the flakes falling off and stuff like yeah. that and i was so proud of myself when i did that and i and then afterwards i'm like who the hell would want to listen to this so I mean, I, that's where I get stuck when I when I really I'm like this isn't ambient music. This is like avant garde, you know. Yeah, right, right, to, right. I don't I don't know if I'm ready to go down that. I'll play, yeah, if that's a real party clear. I'll put that one on sometime. So I mean, I got some other ideas out there, but where am I going with that? I I, I and the rut. I used to struggle sometimes when I first started doing this. I'd go up and like, okay, I have to create something. I have to I have to create something. And then that puts a lot of pressure on you because maybe you mm-hmm. don't feel creative. So I started really, you know, sometimes I'd go up and I'd just spend two hours on sound design. Or sometimes I would go up and just, I don't know, practice. Mm-hmm. And once I let go of that, I'm like, no, you don't need to create. You just need to do something. Yeah. And I think that's when I started working towards that first album, when I, I finally let go of that, uh, you must create, you must begin. It's like, how about I hone my skills? How mm-hmm. about I just, how about I open up the toolbox and instead of banging with the hammer, maybe I look at the hammer and try to figure out how this hammer works better, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's something I, that's something I've been doing, but you know, I mean, I don't know where I'm going to go with all this, but it's, 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 it's just, like I said, it's just fun to make music. 
You know, when you were talking about the the experiment that you were doing with the crossfading of the two different pieces of music and the FDR clip, there's an artist by the name of Leland Kirby, and okay. he has is that the caretaker. Yes, the well, that's the, care, that's the caretaker. Yes. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. And yeah, I know that's what sort of inspired me. The one about Alzheimer's. She's got that yes. album, right? You oh, know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. That that's kind of what gave oh, me the idea on that one. That that is some deep trippy stuff and all and uh i think i heard that around i think what got me on that and i have a couple other pieces like that i had it in a folder called decay album Mm -hmm. because i used to like me and my wife used to like to go and uh break into abandoned mentalist institutions and stuff and take pictures so i got i I got a lot of good artwork from that and i I don't know i i've got about an album's worth of that stuff i just i'm scared to death i don't know what to do with it you You know know, do i it's it's okay to release it and you know and even what you could do is just on a practical level you could just make it a side project and it doesn't have you know for for christ's sake don't put the pressure on yourself to have to feel like it you know but there are people out there that really do appreciate that sort of thing i know so i I mean you know maybe consider doing a just call it a side project you know a different right. note, you know under a different pseudonym or whatever and that's what i thought if you were to, if you were going to take a radical say you had some crazy idea like that you were going to take a radical shift in the tone of your music i mean i, I mean your music's diverse but i mean you were going to do something all right this doesn't sound like anything yeah do you think you would would you come up with another name or yes a hundred percent you would you would a hundred percent um l- largely because the the stolus name now not to make this about me but has it's i've really Though I do have a a few things early on under that name that are distinctly different, um, like I did um, my own, like I did a reimagination of Dark Side of the Moon from scratch. Right, that about, was yeah. my that yeah. was my COVID. But Roger Waters Roger Waters is doing that now for some stupid reason. Yeah, I'd, why? <laughs> but but for it's, me that I'll show them that was that was my uh, that was my COVID project was Dark Side of the, the Moon. Dark Side. But, um, but but most of the stuff that I've been make, making and releasing as of late have dis- have this distinct ambient flavor about it. And it, like if I were to go out on a limb and really make something that was just dra- dramatically different, I'd probably a do dubstep, it a dubstep album. Yeah, or a dubstep yeah, yeah. or, you know, shoot, I've been uh, thinking about um, actually related to dubstep, uh, Psytrance. I've really... Mm-hmm. I'm. You know, I had my techno phase in the twenties. You know, in my twenties, that was great. I never had a techno phase. I never had a techno it's, phase. It's okay if you didn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, but, you know, I like. I got a noisy brain. You know, that's the right. Thing. Yeah. But uh, I recently, probably half a year ago or more, um, discovered Psytrance, and mm-hmm. I don't know why it took me so long to discover it. But the the interesting thing about that style of music is that it has, it it's not. Artists are generally not afraid to use ordinary sounds, ordinary samples, things that in and of themselves don't really have an apparent musicality to them, and they make them musical, and or mm-hmm. they make them as an integral part of the rhythmic structure of mm-hmm. their compositions. And in that vein, I guess I've really... You know, I wouldn't be afraid to try my hands at a Psy Transvel, but I would totally do it under a different name. <laughs> you do it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's what I thought too. It's just, it's good to hear that because um, 
Have you listened to you ever listened to Sibiant music? Sibiant, I am not. Yes. No. Check it out. Check it out. It's um, what would be a good? Let me see some bands that fall into that. Zero Cult, uh, Carbon Based Life Forms. Have you ever heard them? Mm-mm. Really? Oh wow! They're getting into a more droney ambient thing now. Okay. But Carbon Based Life Forms. It's just it's got they've got the chill these nice little chill grooves, but the little ah, they're just you know floating. But it's got it, it's oh I love Sibiant music. Hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a, a website out there I think called is it Sibiant.org or something like that. But uh, that's that's in terms of the genres that have rhythms and drums, I tend to I tend to gravitate towards the hmm. Sibiant music because techno just beats me over the head. Yeah, yeah, it really does. I just I've never I I remember watching, you know, you'd always watch the movie, probably some dumb cop movie because I watched a lot of those where they're they're, cha- they're they, you know they're looking for somebody and it's these two middle aged old white dude cops. Yep. Then they walk into the rave. You know, and all of a sudden they're going, you know, from the streets, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, if that ever happened to me, I probably have a seizure. Like when when that happens in the movie, I like want to go and like go in the other room for a minute. I just I get so I just, you know, I just I I got a quiet brain. I think Mm. that's like things like dubstep. I totally get why people love them. I mean, I can't even honestly keep up with the genres because it seems oh, Oh, there's a new one. There's a new one. You know, I don't even I can't even somebody. And then by the time I learn what something is and I talk to somebody like, oh, dude, that was that was that was big like five years ago. I'm like, (laughs) and it's like me talking about pop music. And I still mention like Britney Spears or something. I'm I'm just like, I'm so out of the loop. Yeah, yeah. With so many it's, things, it's you know? hard. It's 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 just impossible now with the 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 sheer volume of music that's released on a daily basis is really hard to keep right, up with. Right, and it just and just middle age that also yeah, then, yes. you know I, I, I'm having I'm having I'm having those revel- revelations late, and I, I I'm one of those people that I mean I have I think young people are going to save us honestly. I mean the way this world's going, but I, I hope so. But I mean I I, I have this like. You know, I'm, I, lately I'm like, I'll turn my friend. And, wow, it's like you know, there's there's people that not only don't know about Led Zeppelin, they don't give a crap. Yeah. I mean, they literally don't. Or you hear like these guys are playing cover bands, and my age like, I don't know what it is, but kids today, nobody wants to hear Skinner anymore. I'm like, dude, I, you know, when I was in college, I didn't want to hear the Glenn Miller Orchestra either. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it's evolved, you know. Yeah. And I, I've always I try to stay current, but it's you know. Every time I dip my finger in the pop culture stew, I'm like, oh, God, that was bad. That's yeah, not, yeah. That smells bad. That smells bad. <laughs> that went bad. Who left the milk out, you know? <laughs> but it's, you know, there's, there's no bad music. I mean, well, there's bad music, but it's all music. Yeah. That's what I say. I used to get really, you know, coming from the jazz snob fusion. Oh, that's not music. I'm like, no, it's music. It's just not music you like. That's right. All. 100%. You know, sex, whatever you think about the Sex Pistols, it's still music. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and see there we go. The, the dated reference. I can't even pull a Green Day out. I gotta go. See there you go again. See, I mean, I'm just. <laughs> I don't know what the punks listen to today. I, I just, you know. <laughs> anyway, you know. So anyway, that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. Again. <laughs> On that note, man, thank you so yeah. much, JD, for <laughs> taking right. time oh, with yeah. me. I, it's just a wonderful. It's just wonderful to be able to talk to other musicians, and largely, I've been doing this just to meet people. Hear other perspectives and it's just pretty, it's pretty lonely up in Minnesota, isn't it? Huh? Is that where you live? No, it's not, no, Wait, where it's, do you live? yeah, I'm in Minnesota. It's um, the ambient scene here is I'm I'm looking for it, <laughs> but I just found a, Ver, a Vermont. All right, to give you Vermont, the, okay, there is there's a, a town called Bellows Falls, it's down in southern Vermont. I mean, it's a little old mill town, nobody lives there or anything. They had a, a first time I ever played live with a synthesizer, okay. 
I don't think I've ever been more scared in my life mm. than to go. I played to this room about 25 people, and I, and I, I've, 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 I've like opened up a jazz festival for like John Schofield. I played, I played like big shows before, so a crowd is not does not scare me at this right. point. So it's about 25 people, and I'm like, I'm going out there and I'm playing my music. I'm not playing the groove behind some hot singer. I'm playing my music. My leg was shaking like Elvis, man. Yeah. I am, I am not. I'm standing behind the synthesizer. They must think I had a pedal back there because my legs flopping like that. And I did it, and I'm looking around, and people are like just watching the genuine. They're not like waiting. Where's where's the hook? Where's the drop? You know? I mean, they were like, some people had their eyes closed. Some people were just you know. And I was, it was just like, that was the first thing that I think that was really a confidence. But I was like, wow, there are people out there that actually mm-hmm. see this as some sort of legitimate art form. It's just there's not a lot in Vermont. Um, I found out recently that there is a there's a Discord in Vermont, the Vermont Synthesizer Society. It's mostly based out of Burlington. That's where Burlington, because that's where 99 percent of the people of Vermont live. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm trying to like slowly work my way into that, uh, you know, connect with some other people. Of course, half of them, you know, it seems like 75 percent are about 20 or 30 years younger than me, and they all have modulars. So I don't know how much <laughs> old guy, old 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 drony pad guy is going to fit into that one, but. Uh, I, yeah, I feel the same way. We've got a we've got a synthesizer meetup group here in Minnesota, and yeah. it's a lot of hardcore hardware guys that like you know they they're yeah. either building this stuff from scratch, and you know oh yeah, I just use this circuit circuit and blah 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 blah, yeah. blah and, and like well More I'll, 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 you know. I'll show up with my Arturia keyboard, my digital workstation and my volumes of different synths and just kind of yeah, yeah. Well, there's nothing to look at but lots of lots to listen to <laughs> do you uh do you uh do you have any harbor synths you just a uh, totally in the box guy i'm in the box kind of guy. i'm in the daw i i as far as hardware goes though beyond my main midi workstation i do have the roland uh sp404 and the boss uh-huh. 505 for you know, like live looping and live sampling, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it, though, huh? That's about it. I, um, I would love to experiment down the physical hardware thing, but there's just there's something about space. I don't have a whole lot of space to work with, so yeah, I don't know where I would even keep half of that hardware. Oh, my, 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 yeah, I got a big room up. When we we did an addition on a house and doubled the size of the house a few years ago. <laughs> And I'm like, so our old bedroom is like, that's my room now. And it's like, I got this, you know, big, like, I don't know, it's like 20 by four, 20 by 30 space. Yeah. Big, you know, so it's got the big monitor. I've got some, uh, Alesis studio monitors and I've got two QSC K10s that are 2000 Watts each and the subwoofer. So when I'm recording, I, I listen back on the monitors, but when I'm playing, I just, I got the nice yeah. crystal clear, but I, 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 I soft sense get a bad rap nowadays. About half my stuff is contact is my yeah go-to. contact is great. I, I, I absolutely love contact, and I, I think the thing that keeps me coming back to SoftSense is, with few exceptions, they still do things that most hardware cannot touch. Yeah. I mean, that's starting to change now. With like like sure. the Wave State, for example, the Wave State is basically a little Raspberry Pi in a box. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the Iridium, the Waldorf Iridium, which is my favorite synth I have. I mean, that's still just a it's a computer. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. Um, but I think I mean SoftSense are just I love them. I mean, I, I... Right. And it kind of, for me, again, this kind of goes back to my earlier comment about I've got a lot of ideas in my head or a lot of things floating around in my head, and what mm-hmm. is the 
fastest way possible to get all that out in front of me into MIDI notes. And it's not going to happen with, all right, which synth over here, you know, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. figuring out, oh, I can miss, oh, well, no, that's, what about well, this one over here? Yeah, 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 that, that, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. Are, do you, do you play live at all, really? I am not yet. I've, oh, you're in the same phase as me. With I'm that in one, the, so. I'm still trying to, figure that out what i where i want to go and i've i'm discovering at least here in minnesota there's not very very few venues are actually ambient friendly so anywhere unless you live in berlin or something right right um so so for on a practical level this has me thinking about collaborations so on two levels one um, virtual collaborations with other musicians. Uh, like, mm-hmm. um, I'm slated to collaborate with Stefano from Ian and Theogenic Sound Explorers. We talked about doing a collab together, nice. and I'm gonna, yeah. you know, and I'm opening myself up to, you know, all of the ambient musicians within um, that we've played on the relay station saying, you know, I'm gonna put out a thing, hey, want a collab? Let's do it. Um, but the other, uh, the other thing that I've been contemplating about is trying to find some visual artists to do you're my some, twin you're my twin do, right? I'm, I'm thinking the same exact thing it's like oh look at the balding middle-aged guy standing behind a keyboard for two hours that's fun <laughs> that's but, you know, right. oh look the other the other middle-aged guy behind a laptop for two hours let's watch that one too yeah. no i'm not i mean i could do the rick wakeman thing i could wear a big sequin cape up there or something i don't know but uh yeah exactly it's it's like how it needs the visual component right it, it really i think this kind of music does to really click in the brain thing when i did that show that synth show the visual artists they had there i don't i can't remember who they were but man that that made it yeah i mean that you know they were they were listening to the music they were reacting in time to it they put the right mm-hmm. image up at the right time and yeah, yeah but i hear you it's, it's it's the live thing it's like having the venue and then there's also the whole idea of, if you are primarily improv what if i just have a bad night what if i don't have any what if i stand up there and i'm oh oh well, soft synth 30 minutes you know i mean fallback well i mean i mean yeah uh, on some level i mean this this goes to the whole nature of improv you you you've got to get your head out of the way and just let all of the years Mm -hmm. of experience and practice just kind of let that take over and run on autopilot and i think that i think you know once you get over the initial nerves and you know the and the paranoia and all the other things that come with that and second guessing you know, yeah. second guessing yourself, and once you get over that, get over yourself, and and realize, you know, I'm just here creating again. This is just a different mm-hmm. space now, and yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah that's so. that's where that's where I'm at musically in terms of live performance. I would really love to do a sound installation. I would really love to um, collaborate with mixed media and other visual artists on, mm-hmm. you know. You know, art gallery nights or something. You That's what I'd like to do something like that too, or even just when there's an opening, an art opening, I'll mm-hmm. set up my synthesizer in the corner, and not be imposing. Did Robert Rich talk to you at all about sleep concerts? Yes, we did talk about that. Uh, he was he told me about um, how he got started out with that, and originally it was something he just started in his dorm his freshman year, which <laughs> I'm like. Dude, that's so that's easy. That's easy. <laughs> I mean, I think I mean, they're half passed out already. You know. <laughs> right. um, but it was interesting. He he said that it was an interesting social like experiment. Uh, but there is this practical limitation that the venue size, you know, might might be a venue that seats a hundred people, but 
only sleeps like 15 or 20. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. So, well, yeah. He said, yeah, like, Vermont has a lot of, yeah. He was like, this, ahead, is, no, this, is, this is a great idea, but a terrible business model. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I know? mean,. Because you know, you know I'm glad I have, uh, yeah. You know, whereas I'm like the punk, the punk music scene, music scene, you know, they're they're done with their set in a half an hour because each of the songs like a minute and a half. A minute and a half, yeah. And whereas just, he's playing like eight hours overnight. I don't know how to do that. I mean, that's the thing. Is like that's what I always wonder because I thought because you know what I mean Vermont, I'm we're the most liberal state in the country pretty much. I think at least on the on the East Coast, and you know we've got still got a lot of crunchy new agey hippie types up here, and. uh I mean, a sleep concert I could see working up here because uh, we have a lot of town halls. That's where that's where you do these things up here because the town halls they bring the chairs out, you know, mm-hmm. the old wooden chairs. So if I want to do a sleep concert, I have a stage. I could tell people to, but I don't know how I'd pull off the eight hours thing, man. That that that. Do I get to sleep? Do I get to sleep? <laughs> you know, you, you know, could, I mean, you know, you you really could um, make it less about sleep and you could actually and this is another idea that i've had and you can feel free to run with this one um go into some sort of nature center or you know and bring with you oh, that's a good idea bring with you uh you know a couple portable uh battery packs or whatever so i've got like um i forget what the name of the brand is but like yeah, i've got mean, one of those yeah, big portable those. 250 watt devices or whatever and you know I've you just run your stuff in it and but in the middle of nature, so that the sounds of nature are also a part of the performance. So that's a good you're, idea. You're we got plenty of nature centers around here. You know, try something Maybe like that. You know, and uh, that's that's another possibility that I think that ambient have, music could totally fit into. Have you seen any of the ambient church shows? Do you know about those? I do know about the ambient. I have not seen any of the ambient church, but I've. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> I saw, I saw. I mean, talk about life altering. And I've seen dead shows on acid. So I mean, this was. I mean, this was great. But uh, I saw Steve Roach. Uh, it was in a big church on Central Park uh, West, uh, Central Park East. Oh my! I mean, but these people that do the image church thing. They have some kind of software that comes out and first maps the entire 3D texture of the building. So you know, every little spire, every little window, and then what they do when the music starts. All right, there was a big churchy window behind him, big round window. They project things on it. All of a sudden, it looks like the window starts melting, or it looks like fire is coming out from behind the window. And you'll see the spires of the church, and all of a sudden, they're covered with gold, and the gold starts just melting down. And this show went on for two hours, and I was just, I mean, I was just, mm. it was one of the most insane things I've ever seen. If you ever get a chance to, I'm Pazinski's done them. I, I don't know if Robert Rich has done any of them. Yes, he has. Robert has done, has done a yeah. couple, I think. If you get a chance to check one, you got to go fly there for for a weekend or something. Do not miss those. Those that was one of the most incredible things. And I got to meet Steve Roach beforehand. Oh, cool. Which was, well, I got there early and it, all his gear was set up. I'm like, I'm gonna go up and look at his gear. And a lot of old stuff. He had like some OB expanders and things like that. And as I'm walking out, who comes up the steps? I'm sitting like up, 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 you know, and yeah, I mean, the guy's my idol. I mean, he's, 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 he's really, you know, he's really influenced the hell out of me. And he was, he was so gracious. We talked, we talked about the album. We talked about mountain biking because he's a big mountain biker and stuff and got the obligatory picture and everything like that. But that was, uh, that was one for the history books that night mm. for me. That was, yeah. But check out the ambient church things if you get a chance. Yeah. To I've, I've seen, see. I've seen, I've been to their website a few times now and I've, oh. I've, I've been like, 
Dang, I really, I would, I want to be oh. a part of that experience. Just, just you once, want, once in my life. That, that's that's all you need. That's, I mean, that's all you need. Just like everybody needed to see the Rolling Stones once forty years ago, you need to go to Ambient Church. I guess. Yes. So. Sign anyway, me up. So. I'll go to communion. I'll even, I'll even go to Ambient Confession. <laughs> ambient Confession. I know, right? <laughs> that that was just a preset. Um, I didn't invite. I didn't make that one. Um, anyway, I I tell you. JD, it's it's always refreshing to have conversations with with other musicians, especially ones that I've not met and are yeah. either halfway around the world or in the back, you know, practically in the backyard. You know, Vermont's not yeah. too far from Minnesota, right? For, globally nah. speaking, anyway. Yeah. But it's just refreshing, and I really look forward to hearing more from your music. It's just you've you set up a really good soundscape and environment for for the listener well, and, thank you and i just I, I look forward to hearing more for you thank you so much man this was a lot of fun oh um delight is all mine no. my friend well another fantastic conversation in the bag my thanks to jd ryan from the ambient music project thorny for the absolutely entertaining splendidly hilarious and fantastically fun conversation you can find more from Thorny out at Bandcamp at witherwillow.bandcamp.com. That's W-I-T-H-E-R-W-I-L-L-O-W.bandcamp.com. Thanks so much for listening to Ambient Discourses, conversations with musicians and composers who create musical experiences and sonic landscapes. Thanks for listening. Bye now.